Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Osher continue their discussion on the Small Called Articles, looking at a section that speaks about repentance. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inherent Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right, welcome back. We are in a new arc of episodes. We are continuing to walk through the small called articles. We are in 3.3 on repentance. Yeah, we got it right away yeah. the naming convention. You've been working on that. Yeah, well, <laughs> by now, hopefully I can get it. Yeah. 12 articles. Yes, yeah. <laughs> 12 articles later. Uh, good stuff. Right. We love you, Brett. Yeah, thank you. Oh, the by the way, let's get this out of the way right now. Uh-oh. Uh, the uh, man sitting between us, Adam, is going to be 40 years old. Oh. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And we are yeah. excited for you, yeah. Brad. Thank I, you. Yeah. I really, really wanted to make you a black T-shirt with that meme from uh, uh, Despicable Me, the why, why are you so old? <laughs> so for three months, yeah. I'm going to be... In my 30s. Well, you guys are well into say, your 40s. I, I yeah. couldn't remember if you had turned 40 or not. No, uh, okay. that's that's coming up. Yeah. It's coming up here in March. Yeah, All the right. ancient Romans are ready to retire me already and confiscate my my uh, estate. Yeah. yeah. They're so old. Yeah. That's that's true. You, How old are you, Jason? I will be you 44 it. next year. Wow, okay. that's huh. that's pretty old. Mm-hmm. Judging on our uh, conversation at lunch, you, you end up talking about old people things. Oh, old, yeah. Old people yeah, we, ailments. Yeah, old people. <laughs> we, we, we I'll try to say this as delicately as possible, but still so it's funny. <laughs> we were talking to a bunch of pastors eating lunch together today, and what we were saying is that seminary did not prepare us as pastors for how much older people talk about their ailments in great detail. Yeah, so I actually had I wasn't at the dinner table for yeah. that part. I came yeah. at the end when we were having when you guys were having dinner there, but uh, I actually had a, a friend who's a Presbyterian pastor uh, come up to me and say after we had had a, a mutual lunch with an elderly group of people and he needed to help one of them to the bathroom. And he goes, the thing that they didn't do at seminary, which is Pittsburgh theological uh, for him, yeah. he said, the thing I didn't do, they didn't do is have a class where they just shout words at you. And words, and then they show images, you know, and, and these words are, are, you know, and, and you react in any way you fail the class. That's the whole class. It's just that for a half hour, they just start shooting words at you that you, you cannot react to. And that's, yeah, I agree with that. It's called Rorschach 101. <laughs> but that's, yeah, man, yeah, there are things. We, we, we had a uh, yeah. story uh, that I shared, and, and I'll just share part of it, is I walked in on a retired pastor telling a group of retired ladies a funny thing happened at my colonoscopy. <laughs> that was enough for me. I walked away. That's a, uh, yeah. Oh, well, well, thank you for the birthday wishes. And, uh, <laughs> Always a good Bible study hook. Speaking of colonoscopies, yes. Brad, happy 40. Yeah, Have you yeah, scheduled yeah, yours you. yet? Uh, hey, 
Oh, I'm, uh, I'm just sorry. Like, yeah. This is you on air, isn't it? Say my uh, social security number. Too? Yeah, I do. Last four years, social security number, <laughs> your mother's it. maiden name, yeah. the city you were born in. There we go. Yep. No. All right. Now that we've made fun of Brett. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good. Well, we are talking about repentance, and so maybe we should just spend the whole time repenting. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> this is something that's very relevant to Adam and my lifestyle. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So we. I'm going to read about half of this article, and you know, as always, you know, hopefully, listener, you're reading on in the Book of Concord, small called articles. Um, maybe you're using Jason's uh, daily book of, daily book of Concord. Concord reading. Yep. yep. Dailybach.substack.com. A really good app you can download. I think at the low price of two or three dollars is Evangelical Catholic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, where uh, that's Flames app, right? Oh, Flame and or Lex Flame Lutheran. Is, yeah, yeah they're part of involved that. in that. Yep. yep. Highly recommend that app. Good. So I will read, and uh, we can launch into our discussion today. Uh, so on repentance. Uh, this, this function of the law is retained and taught by the New Testament. So Paul says in Romans 1.18, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men. And in Romans 3.19.20, The whole world may be held accountable to God, for no human being will be justified in his sight. Christ also says in John 16.8, The Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin. This then is the thunderbolt by means of which God with one blow destroys both open sinners and false saints. I love that thunderbolt. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> he allows no one to justify himself. He drives all together into terror and despair. This is the hammer of which Jeremiah speaks. Is not my word like a hammer which breaks the rock in pieces? Jeremiah 23, 29. This is not activa contritio, artificial remorse, but passiva contritio, true sorrow of the heart, suffering and pain of death. This is what the beginning of true repentance is like. Here man must hear such a... Such a judgment as this, you are all of no account. Whether you are manifest sinners or saints, you must all become other than you now are and do otherwise than you now do. No matter who you are and no matter how great, wise, mighty, and holy you may think yourselves, here no one is godly, etc. And we'll just pause at that point. Uh, A lot of good stuff there. Yeah. This is a really weighty article. They get to the heart uh, of a lot of heavy theological article or uh, thev- heavy theological topics, and uh, I think, practically speaking, in American Christianity, this is as probably relevant as it comes to not only what led to the Reformation, but now what current American Protestant churches are struggling with. And that struggle being just a, a, sh- a teaching of the law and in, in all of its uh, sternness? Is that is that what you would, what you would say there? I, uh, teaching the law in all of its sternness and in the proper way. So mm. uh, a lot of modern American Christianity either results in you need to have some skin in the game or you have the gospel only as an abstraction. You know, or we talked about this in a recent episode where the gospel is only used for conversion mm-hmm. and the law yeah. is only used for sanctification. Yep. Those are those are probably the three big categories. But what you know, as law and gospel as a system breaks down, what you see first is a misapplication of the law and then an abuse of the law, where simultaneously we are hammering people with the law to coerce behavior while we are dulling the actual knife edge of the law and making it seems like it's almost achievable. Hmm. And this, mm-hmm. this article is addressing 
both of those issues with what the law is for and how we use it. And the in the telos of the law, the end mm-hmm. of the law is repentance, mm-hmm. not morality. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this this segues nicely from the last article where we talked about the law and looked at that. So I don't know, Adam, how, talk to us about the just that use of that language of the thunderclap and you know, bringing in the, the wrath of God in this article? Well, I mean, the law is a hammer, right? And it talks about that as well, right? Uh, not Maybe not, yeah, in this one, about that whole, the crushing nature of what the law does um, is is the thing that we sometimes, we, we yeah, we, th- we use the law therapeutically, like, you know, Jason's kind of discussing. We use it in, in such a way that we think, okay, so this is, you know, this is like the self-help book, uh, you know, the self-help portion of the Bible, when in reality, the entire portion you said is repentance. I, I like, and, and this is kind of where I stopped. It talks about it, it's crushing. The the whole por- purpose is to bring about passive contrition, right? Um, true affliction of the heart, suffering the pain of death, right? This is what it means to begin true repentance. And he says, the whole point is to get to the point where we realize nobody's good. Nobody's okay. There ain't nobody okay. And then, and then we didn't read this. We didn't go into, into paragraph four, but certainly it's within the context of our, our discussion. It says, to this office of the law, however, the New Testament immediately adds the consoling promise of grace. So that whole idea of, of the law should drive us like a angry taskmaster, the thunderclap of the law. Like, like you think of Luther, right? In, in his literal sense of, of his own conversion, right? He's, he's in a thunderstorm, you know, he's, he's experiencing this thunderstorm himself. And, and he was, seems like a guy who was a little bit of afraid of thunder, right? You know, <laughs> especially how he talks about it here and, and here he's hiding. He's saying, okay, God, if you get me through this or St. Anne, he didn't say God, right? He prayed to St. Yeah, Anne. And he said, you know, if you get me through this, get me out of this, I'll serve, you know, I'll serve God, not, you know, whatever. And, and he thinks back to that time. It's a terrifying driving him to like, okay, I'm not okay. I need something else. That's what it reminds me of when you talk about the thunderclap, you know, mm-hmm. Luther's own experience of conversion. Mm-hmm. Well, not conversion, but the whole drive into ministry, into service for, for God, which started with monasticism and then, of course, all that business and then the Reformation. But that idea of the law can drive us so far but no further is really what stands out to me. But it is a terrifying thing. It's like being chased by something and being afraid of it and then finding yourself... Uh, in the consoling arms of something that can protect you from that thing. I think that's the picture that's happening here. Yeah, in in our systematic theology, this is the very location where if it's not explained properly and it's not confessed properly, is where you get law bad, gospel good. Mm -hmm. This is where you have the heel turn to gospel reductionism because the law makes us feel bad, Mm -hmm. but we need to confess it's intended to make us feel bad. That is the desired outcome of what the law does. But we confuse the gospel with feeling good. Mm -hmm. And the gospel makes us feel good, but the good feelings aren't the gospel, Mm -hmm. right? The, 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 The gospel is the promises that answers the threats of the law. So would you say in kind of a contrast to that, instead of, you know, that, that it would be the law not as bad, but the law produces guilt and the gospel, you know, speaks forgiveness. You know, I mean, that's more applicable, more biblical language, right? Well, the, the gospel does both. But we've talked about this several times as we brought up gospel reductionism or, or, or Gerhard Ferdi's, you know, the, the progression of Gerhard Ferdi's theology or whatever is one of the red flags that you're dealing with a gospel reductionist or a radical Lutheran or, or whatever. One of the red flags is that they will not address sin and forgiveness. They will address guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And now we have to be clear. The gospel answers both our guilt and our forgiveness. 
Okay, mm-hmm. that that's where the double imputation comes in is that we are both not guilty and actually righteous. Mm-hmm. And so that that our guilt is imputed to Christ because our sin sure, is yeah. imputed to Christ. But if we only address our guilt, if we only address our bad feelings about sin, we don't get repentance and the message of the gospel is becomes we just need to feel better about our sin. Mm-hmm. And that's where you end up with a lot of this modern gospel reductionist is people talk, well, I'm broken, but God told me that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got to get to the gospel. I yep. mean, you, you have to let let the yep. whole counsel of God do its work. Right. And so, you know, we were talking about repentance here too. Is it, um, is repentance kind of that hinge from law to gospel, would you say? Is that a good way to think of it? Or uh, do we see repentance as a fruit of the law? Going to the gospel, yeah, yeah it's it's it, I, a hinge is probably close, but repentance is the product of both law and gospel. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really like what uh, Chemnitz and Andrea did in this article of the form. Or, no, this is Lutheran small called. We're not on the formula. We're on the formula in the Daily Book of Concord, uh, which is why I'm here, so. This is scrambled. Yeah, <laughs> this is Luther. I really like what Luther does here. We should just organize it by category. Yeah, I, seriously. That's, that, like a, that's the next thing. Once we get through, we'll yeah. do a systematic study <laughs> of, of the book of Congress. No. Uh, yeah. uh, so what Luther does here is he distinguishes between active contrition and yeah. passive contrition. It was fun to say those Latin words, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Contritio activia yeah. or whatever. Uh, Sounds like a yogurt. But, but yeah. Luther's concern <laughs> with active contrition yeah. is that you can fake it until you make it. Is mm. that you appear to be remorseful, but the the work of the law is that passive contrition where you're legitimately terrified because of your sins, and in that, God has designed that we not flee from Him, but that we run to Him and cry for mercy, and and that's the distinction between despair and forgiveness. Mm. Yeah, it's the difference between Peter and Judas. Yep. Yeah. Or or David and Saul. Right. Yep. Yep. Those are always the two comparisons made in the Book of Concord, is that uh, we either fake repentance, where you know, and that's where the satisfactions. We'll be talking about that next episode, where we have to we have to look like we're repentant, mm-hmm. or we flee from God because it makes us feel bad. We've we've addressed that. Or in our terror, we say, "I've got nothing left, God." Please have mercy on me. It's the yeah. Luke 19, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Yeah, like, yeah, the tax collector, Pharisee. Because yep. that's what I was thinking, too. Pharisee, you know, they they went around making a big point of how, you know, grieved they were and how sorry they were and, and how repentant and, and, and that. And they made a show of it. But they weren't. But they weren't sorry. That, that was, a, a you know, a, a something they contrived themselves. And when you have what you just quoted, I think you're t- quoting yep. the tax collector, right? Yeah, you Lord, know, Lord have mercy on me. You know, couldn't even raise his eyes to heaven. You know, it was, I, I actually, yeah. I did this, you know, that this is me. I'm guilty. The law had done its work in the right sense in that, in that. Well, and, and what's interesting is that the words of the Pharisee in his confession or in his repentance aren't actually repentant because what he does is he says, God, you should be thankful. I'm on your team. Right. I thank you I, that I'm not like these other sinners. Correct. I'm not. I'm not quoting that specific Pharisee. No. That example. I'm saying the Pharisees in general. They would paint their faces. They would. They would make this big show that they were. They were fasting. They were doing these things as a symbol of, you know, gr- you know, contrition, repentance, and and this is like I, you know, I'm I'm beating myself almost like a monastic way of beating myself, flogging myself, just to show how sorry I am and that I I need to do this because this is what God wants me to do, and and it's a show versus 
uh, an attitude of the heart, which is why I think it says right here at the beginning um, that that in, in this same situation, it destroys both the open sinner and the false saint. You know, I mean, it's just like the the law when when you're when you're trying to look good. It's there to crush. When you're openly living in sin, it's there to crush. It's there to to drive. It's there to show. It's like that mirror, right? Mm-hmm. It's the second function of the law, acting as a mirror to expose just exactly not not exactly how ugly and sinful we are, but it just enough to yeah. drive <laughs> us to the yes, point where yes. we need Christ, right? So, yeah, and that's what rounds us back if we if we want to take that to the end, because people say, well, what about the Christian life? What about the Christian life? And why you have so many you know Lutherans rejecting the third function of the law, or you have others saying, well, we need the law for sanctification or whatever, is the point is even the morality of the law as Christians desire to obey the will of God, even the morality of the law is designed to bring about repentance. Mm-hmm. So that in, in a very Christian and almost even a very gospel-y thing, and I know we talked about this a couple episodes ago, where the Great Commission says, go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. That's a very Christian gospel-y concept. That's a law term. And and what it reveals to us at the core is we're not making disciples well enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and again, we talked last week, right? Or maybe a couple... Two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago uh, about the nature of of what the law does. And so the law functions in different ways, right? And and so for somebody who is, you know... um, called to go and, and make disciples. I need to open my mouth my mouth for Jesus. I need to, to reach out to this person. There's that call there to, to the Christian to go and, and to, to obey, you know, the, the guide function, if you will, of the law. Um, but for some people, yeah, it absolutely is. That's why I do the same thing with my students. You know, we're talking law and gospel, identifying law and gospel and applying it. But in the identifying part, it, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, law or gospel. I mean, that's law through and through. I mean, it's a great thing to do. But you don't, and, and you know that was Jesus' point with uh, the the guy he's talking to about the you know the Good Samaritan parable. You know he's like, well, who's my neighbor? I gotta I gotta pare down the law here so that I yeah. can actually mm-hmm. keep it. Otherwise, I'm going to look pretty bad. So you know, no, love your neighbor is definitely law, and yeah, it's a great guide for believers. But it also exposes, mm-hmm. as we see here, and it, and it drives yeah. us to something. I, I need something. I need to become totally like as the as the article here says. I need to be entirely different from who I am. Yeah, this isn't really? working okay. This, you know, this sounded very. Very, like it could have been written like last week. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's entirely relevant and apropos. It's yeah. it's really stunning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's look. You know, with a few minutes left here in this episode, you know, let's look at you know the nature of repentance. You know what, you know what does it actually look like? Um, any anything along those lines? Uh, how how long does it last? Uh, those types of questions. I think a couple things we want to talk about here because you know there in our modern day social media infused world, we we don't leave a lot of room for nuance, and and this is a place for nuance. Uh, the the foundation of the biblical teaching of repentance is it's not something we do. It is something that is brought about through the work of the Holy Spirit in the means of God's word. Mm-hmm. Right? It, so it's it's kind of like the word believe, where yeah. we must, we can't, we do. do you know, yeah. like the yep. And and that's where the nuance comes. Almost yeah. exactly along those lines is one we recognize the the, the command to repent is actually a command. When when Jesus says repent and believe. Repent is law, right? And so that there is that sort of notion that we must repent, we can't repent, but thanks to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives through the word of God, we do repent. Uh, The other thing we want to point out is that there is a teaching function 
to our repentance, that the law, uh, as it continues to work on our hearts as believers, especially the law teaches us to discern sin. Uh, the law teaches us to appreciate the reality that we are lost apart from Christ. Uh, the law teaches us that there's nothing good in us, that we're not contributing to our salvation. And uh, the law teaches us that we're not building on something that was already there. You know, so the, the outcome of the gospel is not that we are better versions of our sinful selves, is that we are new creatures in Christ. And so that we are not contributing the substance of our conversion. We're not contributing the structure of our conversion. We're not contributing anything but the sin that needs to be forgiven. Hmm. You know, I think, uh, uh, you know, practically applying this, right, in the, in the didactic language you're talking about, what it teaches us to discern sin, that we're lost, all this business— I think as preachers, I think we have to be careful to rightly proclaim the law. And that means to be careful, to understand, uh, to borrow from a kind of a catchphrase today, right, nuance uh, of sin in the Bible, you know, of the, the discussion of our sin in the Bible, of, of what God's law actually is. And, and there's so many, there's so much depth there. It's one thing to say, you know, Brent, you're a sinner right? You need to repent. Um, okay. Yeah. That's a general truth. But I think in this, I've seen this play out in practical ways. There are times where you need to, to carefully lay out the law and it needs to be laid out for you at times, right? That you lay out this the law. This is a specific way you are sinning. Yes. Yeah. Note what, what, did, what is it that you are not believing yep. about God? You know, what is it that you are not trusting about Christ's finished work in this particular situation in which you're struggling with your, you know, with your spouse or with your parent or, or whatever the situation is? What is it that you're doubting? What is the insecurity in your heart? It's a, it's a, you're, you're doubting God. You're, you're breaking this command. You know, you, you work on those things and, and that's what Luther does, right? In the catechism, he, he breaks it down, not just what you've broken, but this is what it would look like if you obeyed it, you yeah. know, uh, all of those things, breaking it down, because I think it's one thing just to generally, it's easy for me to say, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I, I have noticed in my own life that, that when that nuanced law, that, that very specific, maybe nuance isn't the right word, but very specific law, you know, that's being preached to me has driven me further to realize like, wow, I, I, I still sin really bad in this area. I need Jesus even more. It's a very, you know, it's much more effective when it's specific, when it's direct, when you really dig into what the law says, not just in some generality. And, and I think, you know, God works through that. That's what I think of when I see this. I see this a lot in our, uh, in, in when I work with students or when I talk with people in the parish, that's what I've noticed. You know, you need specific law. And when that happens, it's like, oh, okay. It's not just the the regular, oh, I'm a sinner, but no, something's here, something specific to my life that I never thought of before. You know, God's calling this to my attention through his word. Yeah, yeah. there's really two important points that you bring up with that that I think should be covered. Uh, the one is the way we handle the text as preachers. And, and I think this is something that it's probably the thing about being a pastor and a preacher that lay people don't appreciate the most to use bad grammar to highlight my, my angle on this is, Mm -hmm. is when and how we call out sin. It's you, the, the, with the, especially in our tradition though, in the AFLC, the emphasis on exegetical preaching, we want to be careful to say what the specific passage Mm -hmm. says about sin in the way it says it, which means at some point in time, we preach against sin as a generality, Mm -hmm. as a condition but when the text specifically condemns specific sins, it's on us to do that. 
Right. And conversely to that, yeah. you, you could give me any text in the gospel and I will somehow figure out that this says I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Yep. Right. And that's oversimplifying, right? At the same and time. Formulaic. And so when you actually do the beauty of actually having the exegetical, you know, looking at the text, the text is very specific, you know, like this text, I'm looking at this, it speaks to this sin at this time. What are the implications of that then now? And, you know, for, for today, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. and exactly that. And it's, you, you run into trouble when you refuse to, refuse to address uh, specific sin. Then you turn sin not from a condition, a general condition, into an abstraction. Mm-hmm. And then and that can't kill you. But the other side is when you're condemning sins that aren't condemned by the text. And those become hobby horses. Mm-hmm. And this is what, especially during COVID and things, especially with the, the social justice movements that were moving through uh, you know, simultaneously with COVID, is pastors were just lambasted. Mm-hmm. for not bringing up racism or things like that. Yeah, is racism a sin? Absolutely, 100% full stop. Do we need to see racism in every text of the Bible? No, because when you start doing that, you stop listening. Mm-hmm. You stop hearing that. The other thing you bring up that I think is really important as we talk about, we're, you know, we're focusing, you know, it's been a law-heavy episode, that's fine, but yeah. we're focusing on <laughs> repentance. Yeah. Is it's very crucial to understanding the nature of repentance that we understand that gospel living or, or law preaching isn't merely sin avoidance. And I think that's so much of why the American mm. church struggles with repentance is we conceive of holy living or of repentance or of satisfaction or of sanctification, our lives as Christians as sin avoidance. And in that nature that Luther draws uh, in the small catechism, he draws mm-hmm. it out from the law, is that it's not just don't do this, but no, really do, do this. this. Do this yeah. opposite thing so that, you know, you think of, you know, all of us have gone through this, but literally every purity accountability group coming out of the 90s was merely focused on sin avoidance. And the, the lie in that is that sin avoidance ended up being victory over sin, and it was completely false. Because it wasn't focused on repentance, it was focused on avoidance. Yeah, yeah, well said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, maybe that's a good place to end. And Yeah, we'll talk a, about the gospel yeah. in repentance yeah. next week and, and get into why this is such a big issue for Luther. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. The Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary invites you to their 2024 Seminary Symposium on January 17th through the 19th with featured guest Dr. Joel Bierman. Sessions will cover topics related to Christian ethics, including virtue ethics in the church and the rise and fall of Lutheran pietism. Find information about live stream and in-person registration at flbc.edu events. God bless you and have a great week.